You're listening to Contesting Wrestling, Minisode 33. Guess what? Guess what, everybody? I was going to say guess what, motherfuckers, but I want to include everybody in this, not just motherfuckers. Not just uh, this me. is Chapter 100 of Contesting Wrestling. If you total up all of our main feed episodes, all of our premium episodes, which you should be listening to on patreon.com slash contesting wrestling, $5 a month, come out every week, and all of our mini-sodes, this is the hundredth thing that we've done. Hundredth installment. This is is technically the hundredth installment of contesting wrestling then. Fantastic. Man, we do. We put out a lot of stuff. We really have. Yeah, it's only. It's been like nine months. I sometimes <laughs> feel like all I am doing is editing this podcast. <laughs> I, I have. I have dreams about audacity. Uh, to our listeners, uh, I imagine this is mostly would be the our Patreon subscribers who this could possibly be true of. If any of you have actually listened to all one hundred installments, please tell us. Yes, please. And yes. you know, we will we'll figure out some way to reward you. <laughs> yeah, the, we we do not have merch or anything no. yet. We've we got some stickers. We have we some, got some, stickers. some nice looking stickers. But we will we will find some way to reward you. We're hoping to have more guests soon, which will hopefully get us more listeners and more money and then we can have merch and yeah. shit. Uh, yeah, uh check out this coming Monday we have a really big guest, Jordan Olds from Two Minutes to Late Night. Uh, and the yeah, cool. director and producer of Nobody's Watching Wrestling will be on. Yeah, so it was a fantastic that. episode. He's a delightful human being. Yeah, he was very interesting. So it'll be cool. That'll be our 101st. Mm. 101. Cool. Everyone is a celebration. Wait, yeah, no, 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 we no because we're counting that one. Because of the way that this all works. <laughs> so this is that, like, if the, that can't be the 100. F- Wait, is it? Have we actually recorded more than 100? I'm so confused. Yeah, 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 this is the 100th thing to be released. Okay. Okay, I see. Then the next release will I be... I see, okay, okay so we've actually recorded like 104 things. Okay, all right. Right, uh, listener-facing, this listener-facing. is the 100th. Listener-facing, And okay. that's really what matters. Cool. Little pe- I would think. Little peek under the hood, listeners, where I don't know what's happening. <laughs> or... <laughs> It's scary uh, under the hood. It's I'm I'm just like those little guys that hang that are inside your car that are just punching the wheels really a lot to make them we're go from, fast. We're from New a, York City. We don't yeah. really know how cars work. They go fast. Yeah, it's the little guys. They're related to the guys who live in the TV who do all the shows. And yes. the guy who sits under the wrestling ring to make all the slamming noises. <laughs> yes. right. Yeah, that's we keep stealing his chairs. We keep He's very stealing upset his about chairs. it. Oh, man. He's got all these kendo sticks. He collects kendo sticks. So uh, even though we we mentioned it in the the premium recording we just made, we should shout out our new patrons here on the Minisode. Yes. Um, That would be uh, David Kim, who was the guest on our uh, show just last week, who we're going to be talking about him a little bit. Thank you, David, for subscribing. Enjoy the rest of our vast catalog. Um, And Andre Johnson, whom, as I established in that recording, I've never heard of before. And thank you very much, Andre. Enjoy the, the rest of our rock. Guests. Yes, the giant rock. Andre the giant rock Johnson. Andre the giant rock Johnson. That's what I'm going to start calling him. Um, enjoy the rest of our catalog. We're real happy to have you on board, man. Thank you very much. Andre the, the hit Hulk man <laughs> Johnson. You just keep adding stuff. I'm going to suck yeah. as much air out of the room as I possibly can. Okay. Like I, like I said, this guy, I'm... I, I'm certainly, I don't know who he is, but he's a huge fan of Baron Corbin. 
And um, there's mm. got to be one. I've there's heard actually that two. About... Katie's a big fan of Baron Corbin. So that's two. I've heard that about people that we don't know. Yes. <laughs> so I actually have a couple things to say in reflection on episode 32 that this minisode is meant to be reflecting on. Um, you guys are looking at me like you have a problem with that. No, no, <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm just staring off into space. What, um, man? So first of all, I thought it was kind of ironic. You know, Dave told us this story about Don't you think? how... A little too ironic. And then, like oh. the song, you're now going to list a bunch of stuff that's just unfortunate circumstance right, and yeah. not actually ironic. I was waiting ironic. for you to be like, and yeah, I really do think. But I forgot, maybe you, I forgot that part. Yeah. You forgot it's that It's an old song by now. Loyal and devoted <laughs> an Alanis Morissette fan. I heard her last album was really good. Yeah, I wouldn't be yeah? surprised, yeah. you know. Jagged Little Pill was really good. I think people's problems with the album after Jagged Little Pill was that she had a great time touring and got rich and then wrote an album where she's like, all my problems went away. And people were like, that's not why I want to no. hear you perform. And then she was like, I don't give a crap. And then she just did whatever she wanted for the rest of her career. And that's one of the reasons why she's a great artist. <laughs> I want my yeah. singer-songwriters to not grow emotionally. Okay, I yeah. I like that PJ Harvey still is just having trouble with dudes. Right. <laughs> eventually, eventually, maybe it's maybe it's you. That's that's been the. I mean, the the most modern thing about that is that's what people complain about the Taylor Swift songs. Like after her fifth album, leading with a, a hit song about how the somebody she doesn't like them. It's like you go to counseling. Like well. PJ Harvey yeah. turned the corner eventually on that. Well, also Her I, most recent albums are more about like politics and history and stuff. Yeah, true. I, I still don't like them that much. But <laughs> she at, also least, at least artistically, she's coming from a better place. She also, at least like any great songwriter, uh, also knows knows that it's her. She knows she knows that you know at least on her early work. Um, yeah. But anyway, all right, yeah, so episodes, so what, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. So um, Dave was talking about how Kawada, whereas, like, Misawa was made the new Tiger Mask and everything and pushed to the moon from the beginning, Kawada was sent to fucking deepest, darkest Saskatchewan to get to get abused by Stu Hart. Um, that's the correct word to use. Ironic, then. I was, I was going, going to go with tortured. Which, you know, also acceptable. He got Um, stewed. Which is funny that later on it was Misawa who left to form Pro Wrestling Noah and Kawada who stayed because he was loyal to the company that had given him the short end of the stick his whole career. I thought that was kind of funny. Ain't that how it goes? It's like, yeah, it's, um, what's it called? The, uh, uh, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he came to identify with his uh, with his abuser there, the all, all Japan Pro Wrestling. So there was that. Uh, <laughs> That's a bit. Of also, a uh, we had mentioned the or I had mentioned the Kawada kicks. I just wanted to describe that yeah. for people because that was a big signature of his. He holds the his opponent. Um, face down, they're standing up, but they're leaning over, and then just like snap kicks them in the face several times in rapid succession. It's, it's quite something there. Yeah, that's it's one of the moves that a lot of guys in the American indie scene in the early 2000 tried to do, 
and very few of them did it well, where it actually looked like... Loki yeah, did. Loki did it well. Samoa Joe did it well. Uh, both of those people wrestled in Japan, you know. Uh, but a lot of people would just be like, you bend over and I'll kick you in the face. And it just didn't look good because the kicks didn't have any snap to them. They were just bad strikes. A lot of bad strikes. A lot of people who imitated these great wrestlers that we watched decided just to throw bad strikes. Forceful strikes that hurt a lot but didn't look very good, which is the opposite of what you should be going for, guys. Um, I have a little more context for the great Kojika Masa Saito match. Uh, so it was the main event of the show. It was a series of matches pitting New Japan against Big Japan. And this was like the tiebreaker. So I understand a little bit more why they did this match. Because, you know, New Japan was going to have to win. But part of the point of doing the series was to put over Big Japan, which was the newer promotion. So for the tiebreaker, they had to have New Japan win, but instead of having Masa Saito beat another top-level BJW guy, which would have really been a definitive win for New Japan, they had him beat the co-owner of Big Japan. So symbolically, it's still a victory over Big Japan, but it's kind of somewhat of a meaningless victory, given that the guy wasn't really much of a wrestler. So that that's one of these sort of politics psychology things that that's, becomes important when you have these kinds of like crossover shows. Yeah, that's lukewarm as hell. You know, that's one of the problems with doing these shows. They they get big hype and then like an execution. The fans want to see a real victor, and then uh, when there's not, like they don't remember the show as fondly. You can only you can do that once in a while, and it's fine. If you do it too often, the fans start realizing that nothing's ever going to happen, and then they stop watching. How ironic that Big Japan is newer, but New Japan is bigger. <laughs> Man, I never thought about it like that. Is, is that accurate true? at all? I completely yes. pulled that out of no, my yeah, ass. Wow, well, all right. Day, uh, go uh, my ass for having cool things in it for me to, to pull out. You were half listening to what I was just I did. saying. <laughs> <Good job>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look, man, I really try when you guys get technical. I, I really try. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I mean, when we, we get into these nerdier details of things. Because you know, I, I have to hear it. It's, it's really it's when I'm editing that I'm just like, oh, my God. What? Who are these people that they're talking about? Well, yeah, Puroresu is, uh, <laughs> is great, but it's a very deep hole. And it's a very different hole than trying to get into American wrestling. And, like, it's the same thing as getting into... You need more lube. You need more lube, right, for for Kenta Kobashi's gigantic forearms. Uh, My my point has nothing to do with Kenta's forearms. It's that in order to get into any kind of media that is produced primarily in a foreign country in a language that you don't know, it takes a lot of extra effort. You have to make a lot of effort, like, for example, to learn everybody's name in a way that it's a lot harder than if everybody's name is already familiar to you. Like, I don't know anybody named Mitsuharu. I wanted to point out that was perfect. Evan, you brought up the analogy with like great 19th century Russian literature, like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. It has the exact same problem where you have to like remember all of these long, complicated foreign Russian names. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, and you you feel bad while you do because you're just like, oh, this is all these all sound so similar. Like, uh, yeah. Why do they all have to have three names? Yeah, nine syllables each. Too many names, 19th century Russia. And they all end Ken with Yevich. But that's, yeah. that's, that's just a cultural thing, yeah. you know. Some names, some yeah. cultures have really, really long names. And everybody within uh, 
doesn't it doesn't matter to them because they're used to it because that's that's what cultural differences are. Uh, but the people but the people who really yeah. get into Poro, it just becomes second nature. Like if you get into anything Japanese, eventually it's just like the only thing that foreign means is something that's foreign to you. You know. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say not only does it become second nature, but it becomes a point of pride. Yes. Like I learned this. You know, there is a curve. And I got past it. I watch you know, it in and Japanese. I felt that way reading Dostoevsky. Yeah, right. Yeah. I felt that reading Dostoevsky, even though I never read it in Russian. But just like, oh, yeah, you know, I know what the fuck is going on here. I navigated the sea of names. I, I met a guy uh, at brief like, at a bar in college once who um, learned French so he could read Proust's In Search of Lost Time uh, in the original yeah. French. And um, and he was. I also, haven't even had the discipline to read that in English. No, yet. no, I bought. I have. I have. Uh, I have it. I own it in English, and that's that's really the first part of we reading heard. a book is having it in your possession. <laughs> so that's where I am. <laughs> Am I fucking frozen again? Well, it's gonna be oh, really okay. fun to find out what Evan actually just said. <laughs> in the last. Yeah. God, you cut out and then you came back. It was actually kind of ideal. Shit ass balls. Oh, okay. It'll be on the recording. Now? Yeah, you're you're totally back. Okay. Yeah. It'll be there. Yeah, 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 yeah we, We'll have to find out what you said. I'm sure it was brilliant. You were talking I something so. about how I you already... actually own a book, which presumes that the first thing you said was that you stole a book. <laughs> okay. And I don't know if you're talking about yeah. stealing "Steal This Book" by Abby Hoffman, which uh, you know the kind of thing that my dad used to read mm. and be like, "You go to a bookstore one day and you just take this." And it's like, no, I'm not gonna do that. But you know, <laughs> right on, I guess. But I'm not gonna go do that. Did a uh, system of a down had steal this album? Yes, they had yes, steal this album. It was a yes. collection of uh, unreleased stuff. Uh, I like that album. Yeah. There you go. Um, I wish I could tell you what I said, but uh, I'm like I'm very hungry and tired. Yeah, no, and it's okay. I've okay. slept last, properly last several thing. days. It'll be on the very record. last thing. I know it's been it's becoming a running theme. Like every week, we have to shout out someone who died. But yeah, um. Yeah. Hardcore uh, indie wrestling legend Danny Havoc died this week. I wasn't super familiar with his stuff, um, but apparently everybody absolutely loved him, said he was super creative and cool and interesting. Uh, there's a documentary. So Vice, they, they've done this Dark Side of the Ring series, but before that they did a series called The Wrestlers, and they did one on deathmatch wrestling where they profile Havoc a bit. Also, in watching that, I realized that we really made quite an omission in our coverage of Deathmatch Wrestling by not talking about Atsushi Onita, who was the guy who pretty much created it in Japan. The guy who ran uh, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, FMW. FMW, The league under which uh, the Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk match was being held under. So if you watch Onita and also totally independently, this other guy, Jun Kasai, they wax very philosophical about deathmatch wrestling. And I found it absolutely fascinating what they had to say. They both independently, when we're at, they were asked, what do you think that the audience gets out of watching this? They both gave exactly the same answer, which I don't know if it's like the answer they decided they they came up with. They were going to use whenever reporters asked them, but they both said uh, when people watch our matches and they see the lengths that we are willing to go to have to win the match, they will do their best the next day at work or at school. 
Like we are serving this social function. That's interesting. That's yeah, I mean, that's how they see it. That is kind of a very pure. I feel like that's a very pure representation of like the artist in the evolution of the artist's role in society, kind of. Because mm-hmm. I think you know, I, I I do think that um any any sort of performance art really has its role in just you know humans around the fire in ancient days being like i really need to think about how you know like uh, I, I just need to take my mind off the day you know i was hungry and then and then gruck got gored by a bison we were hunting and uh. so someone can so can someone do a show and just take my mind off of things and uh and yeah and i think that that's really like i think that is still absolutely the role of art is to just make things that can that people can um can just forget for a second. I mean, I, there's a lot of roles. One of the many roles sure. that it plays, but it, it, it is always as a, it, it is still a service to society. A service it's just, to yes, it's funny 100%. hearing him, funny hearing them make the claim that deathmatch wrestling makes the audience better people. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. And it's especially awesome because they have this like super nerdy American fan who like goes to Japan to follow Onita and talk to him. And Onita's saying all this shit and you believe it coming out of him. And then like the the American fans like, yeah, right on, man. Like to give him a pound or whatever. And Onita's looking at him like Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's really having the desired effect on you, man. Yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> I, if I touch you, I will become weaker. Yes. You'll you will get weakness on me. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So that that, that was, that's really worth watching. I'm probably gonna go through and watch that whole series, The Wrestlers, because Vice they do really good stuff about wrestling. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I should I should watch some of their. Uh, I got I gotta watch some of the Vice stuff. Yeah. The 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 dark side of the ring has been great. I've I I can't bring myself. Uh, like I. Said this earlier. I can't bring myself to watch the, the hardest ones. I might at some point, um, but some of the less hard ones, which also include death in many cases, like the the Herbie Abrams UWF. Yo, one. I was just gonna say you oh gotta watch God. the UWF. I watched the one. UWF one. What a what a crazy like. Oh my goodness. You know, Evan, that's one to watch. The guy named Herb Abrams in the UWF. The big punchline in it, which is also the best promotion for it is one of the guys at the end saying with a complete solemn straight face, Herbie died as he lived, covered in cocaine and hookers. And that was just the whole story. Um, And I also really enjoyed the Brawl for All one. I've been saying, I was thinking we should do a Brawl for All episode and watch several of the fights. I I don't necessarily think so. We should watch that and maybe one of the fights because it does a very good job of explaining it. The thing about the Herbie Abrams thing is it's basically the story of what if you took a massive wrestling fan and just he had unlimited funds to spend on his own vision of pro wrestling, but had no idea what the fuck he was doing whatsoever and also was a insane cokehead and just wanted a party constantly. It's really fucking wild. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's a notorious stuff. thing in wrestling. Yeah. A notorious thing. Um, all right, are all right. we, uh, yeah, I think, I, I guess, guess, yeah, so, that, yeah, look uh, forward to our, uh, yeah, I forgot. Normally, this is where, uh, we plug all of our shit, but it's June 3rd, uh, and we're, we're deep into several days of riots, and so instead, I'm going to tell you to check out the Brooklyn Bail Fund, 
I'm going to tell you to check out Campaign Zero, uh, who work, uh, who is a long campaign um, trying to deal with actual police, with actual reform around policing this country. Uh, check the show notes for a whole bunch of other links for and resources uh, for you to, you know, donate uh, some, some time or some energy or just, you know, spread around uh, because there needs there needs to be real change because people are, you know, as we're four centuries of immiseration of the black community in this country has to fucking stop because it's uh, it has to fucking stop. That's that's the end of it. So I'll check the, check the show notes for all of that. Um, and, you know, stay safe, but also be you safe know, out there. Yeah, be safe yeah, out be there. Safe out there. If you can go into the streets, you should. But if you can't, because and there's a lot of reasons you can't, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. Uh, there are a lot of other things you can do. Yeah, no, nobody's judging you. Nobody's judging you. But, you know, there there is all there is always something you can do. There's always something you can do to contribute. And we we must show solidarity at this time. So if, if there's really nothing you can do now, remember that this isn't the whole thing. This is likely the beginning of a much longer political movement that if you really have no resources to do uh, physically, mentally or financially to deal with it right now, there will be opportunities over the next few weeks and next several months to get involved and help in a variety of ways. Keep your eyes open for something that suits your skills. There's a lot of people. And if we all do what we can do, stuff can get done. This has been Contesting Wrestling. Thank you. We love you.